Welcome everybody to Because Everybody Enjoys Roadrunners Beer with Jared Dienda. At the top of the uh, show, I'm going to let you know that I need you to go ahead and give me five stars. Tell everybody about this dang little thing that I talk with some friends. I'm all about eclecticism, just getting different diverse people, different walks of life. Had some great times and some great conversations. Uh, because Everybody Enjoys Roadrunners, meaning travel, adventure, sports, music, uh friendship uh, relationships i mean we're just breaking it on down and of course we're gonna have some libations so the guest today is an old near dear friend of mine as all my guests but this gentleman was at my wedding he was an usher at my wedding and just a very accomplished young man and uh he, he knows how to play some bitchin drums he knows how to work on hot rods and cars he knows how to drive he also knows how to snowboard this is i mean he is the perfect package, and he's he's a tiny little package, and he's uh, got a, adorned with a bunch of tattoos. No hair, but very beautiful. I think he's been taking pills for years. They have not worked, but you should see his ball throat. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> um, he's a near, dear, great friend of mine and a lot of mutual friends that we have in the automotive world and in the action sports world. My next guest is a great friend of mine and now going to be a great friend of yours. He operates currently a really rad hot rod shop in Troy, New York, which is the state capital and it's called 1945 speed and custom we'll break down his story of that shop but also his different chapters in his life he was a professional snowboarder at one time and that's how we met through alphanumeric through aliasha workamore through rodney wills so we're going to break it on down and uh and talk about his his one-time band that he had in los angeles called stand-up citizens that i had the privilege of naming his name is jeremy bay and jeremy's just sitting here in quiet kind of chuckling under his breath and we've shared so many laughs over the year did you like that intro have you ever heard anybody explain you like that in, in, a, in a 30 second intro that's that's basically it we're done now <laughs> all right good night everybody <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> We're calling in. You are in your home of New York, a beautiful home, I might add. You and your lovely lady, Mara, um, who I've had the pleasure of meeting, hanging out with. I love her dearly, and uh, I'm so happy you guys found each other. Um, yeah, me, me too. Yeah, <laughs> me, me too. And she, she too. She too. Um, you guys have this awesome mid-century home. I didn't know you had an affinity for modern century. Did Mara bring that into the fold, or is that kind of you being a renaissance man? You've always had that? Always. Really? I've always, yeah, yeah. I mean, when I opened my shop, I don't know, eight years, nine years ago, um, you know, that was like a big part of like the aesthetic. I wanted it to have kind of a real mid-century modern style, um, aside from the cars that we do, which are kind of all over the board. But um, I just wanted the shop to have like a certain look and feel. So it's something I've always thought was really cool. And when I opened my shop, it really gave me the opportunity to, you know, I've, I've owned a couple houses, but when I opened my shop, it was really the kind of the uh the Just, opportunity to, to really make the the shop have a, a certain aesthetic yeah um don't get nervous it's just you and i just you and i talking we're having fun speaking of having fun grab a drink i got a cold one you got you're drinking out of my beer wolf mug that i gifted you made by Denine pottery in st paul minnesota shout out to Denine pottery what are you drinking kiddo uh a, a uh, uncle val's gin and uh, arizona iced tea Oh, I see what you did there. Arizona iced tea. I'm in Arizona. The gin is from not New York. Ooh, it's got a geisha girl on the front. That's exotic. Yeah, green tea with ginseng. <laughs> it's so. diet, too. You're so conscious. Look at you. I thought you were going <laughs> to yeah, bring... And what, okay, Uncle Val's. I don't even heard of this botanical gin. Oh, my gosh. You're so cultured, Jeremy. From thinking about just where we've come 
to where we are now. And I will kick things off by saying what I'm drinking. So I'm drinking a, let me get the can here. It's from Tripping Animals in, in Florida. Tripping Animals is an awesome brewery in Miami, Doral, Florida, to be exact. Their logos, they have all, all, their, all their cans and their logos are animals that are like high or stoned or anything like that. So they kind of have like tripping animals' eyes. But this thing is, it's called Most Skittle. It's a six percenter. It's a fruited ale, sour with strawberry, peach, lime, passion fruit, and tangerine. It's kind of like a mosquito, like sucking on a bunch of Skittles. Does that, that sound? That sounds like I, I would love something like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't, I'm not, I'm not a beer connoisseur the way you are. <laughs> you know what? I just, I, the one, the one in my hand is the best one. Speaking of alcohol, let's talk about your snowboard movie debut at ASR in San Diego. One of my favorite stories of all time, Jeremy, again, a former pro snowboarder operates an awesome car shop. We'll get to that. But the really, the, how we met was through Alpha Numeric, a sponsor of yours. I was growing yep. up street racing around San Diego do you remember the first time that we met or how we met? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, Alphanumeric, you know, was a, you know, kind of a lifestyle brand. And if, if, if you don't know, and, um, you know, they were kind of, you know, obviously they had like really good snowboard, really good snowboarders on the team, really good skateboarders on the team. Um, they kind of didn't pick like the necessary, not like the best people, but kind of the people that got like the, the most like respect in the, in their little, uh, fields if you will so uh they also sponsored lanny higa and at the time he was like the man with with uh import drag racing like he you know he was running i think you know like 10 in a street car right i mean yeah totally an, an eg civic that he would drive to the drag strip and throw like wheelie bars on it and then run down in a tent and drive the thing home yeah yeah so anyway alphanumeric advertised in tmr magazine which is uh still the best magazine there there ever was that's right and uh, I was like, you know, being from New York, I had only like heard about, you know, like the street races in California. And when I was in San Diego at the Alphanumeric office, um, they were like, oh, well, call, call Rodney. Maybe Rodney can take you. Uh, can, can you hear me still? Yeah. Yeah. I just, I recorded oh. it. I hit recording. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I, forgot, I forgot to uh, hit record. Anyway. <laughs> sorry about that. Um, yeah, so I, you know, I, w I was interested in going to the street races. So the guys at Alphanumeric said, well, call Rodney up and maybe he'll take you to the street races. So Rodney said, oh, there's this guy, Jared. He's on our street team. And, uh, <laughs> so, and what's so the I, year? This I, is 90, 98, 98. Yeah, probably not 98. Yeah, it's 98. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, Rodney, Rodney gave me your phone number. I called you up and said, Hey, my name's Jeremy. I'm a, I'm a snowboarder. I'm sponsored by Alphanumeric and Rodney will somebody call you. And you were like, we're like, oh, cool. I, I live, I'm in Poway, and I was in downtown San Diego. So, you know, I think like that night you yeah. came and picked me up in your Civic. We never met. We never talked. We just like, you just came and picked me up. And we rolled out. That's, I mean, how amazing is that? Like, I mean, this is pre-social media. I don't even think I had a cell. Did I have a cell phone then? I mean, I would have to, right? Like a, I had snake on my Probably. phone. I don't know. I'm trying yeah. to remember. Barely. Everybody had StarTex then. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And you bumped, you bumped and shared info. So, Jeremy and I just grew this affinity and he, and he, like you said, he's from the East coast. I'm from, so I kind of have never hung out really with anybody from New York and the snowboarder. And I was hanging out at the alphanumeric offices and, and we just hit it off man. it was just awesome. 
But again, I want to get to a really funny story is Jeremy was at ASR, which is an old action sports trade show. And this, I tell people this story all the time. So we're just going to put it out there so people can re-hear re and rehash this story. So Jeremy was at ASR and there's, who, do you remember who uh, directed or was this, was this a Mac Dog production or the snowboard video you were in? It was a Whitey, a Whitey video. Uh, I think it was, I don't even remember um, but it, but it was it was a big night because Jeremy had a big part in it, and I remember seeing him at the show, and he's getting cranked. He had a, you had an eight pound diamond chain on, you had Tim, <laughs> Timbos and Jerbos. You were, this is this is your you had the chin strap like the Puerto Rican chin strap, like you had the the fine hairline on your around your chin, and the, the, oh yeah, that nice haircut. You did have hair back then. It was it was tight. It was magical. Yeah, it was glorious. It was glorious. So tell tell us well, tell us what ensued. What happened there? Because you were you were celebrating. You're part of this major snowboarding movie. All right. It was kind of like <laughs> I can't Yes, dude. You have to because it's so good. It's not incriminating. Right. It's part of your DNA, your upbringing, your manhood. You becoming one child, becoming a man, and cranking bottles of champagne at this uh, during. So there was the showing, and it's a big party of all the industry people. They projected on a wall, and Jeremy's just cranking champagne like he's like like he's part of the dip. Like you're part of the diplomats. You're drinking Moet like you're part of the diplomats. Yeah. I had bought about I don't know six or eight bottles of Moet, and I was just I drank all of them. I think. Yeah. And just to the head. I don't know why. Yep. Yeah, I was just drinking bottles. Of Anyways, so after, uh, you know, after the video premiere or whatever. Um, we, we part I ways. I, I was like, all right, I got to go home. And you you kept the party going. I was letting it go. So uh, I saw my friend uh, at the time, at Todd Jordan. He's, uh, he's, he skated for New York. And he was on like a little rickshaw in downtown San Diego. There was these little rickshaws that they used to have. And he was on the rickshaw with two girls. And uh, he's like, yo, come with me, come with me. So I jump on the rickshaw and we go to, to his hotel room and, you know, I like never, ever smoke weed really. And they, I, I had drank six bottles, five or six bottles of Moet by myself. And then th they were like smoking weed and I'm like, ah, whatever, give me that. So I, I smoked some weed and I, I all of a sudden had to, uh, you know, I, well, first off, <laughs> you're I, blushing, you're <laughs> blushing and it's great. It's okay. Oh, it was bad news. So when I when we got to the hotel room, I was like, "Ah, oh, cool. This is gonna be crazy." You know, this is like my first like rock star. You know, it was gonna be gonna be a bunch of sex. And uh, anyways, I might have I smoked some weed, and all of a sudden I had to shit like real bad. <laughs> and it's like so, a small Holiday Inn like hotel room. It's like it's a couple beds. Couple guys, yeah, was, you know. That's what it was. Two beds. Yep. And uh, anyway, so I go in the bathroom, and I'm <sighs> I'm trying to like figure how can I do this quickly. And I sit down. I like shit. Oh gosh. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> as as Tyson comes in, it's okay. He can't hear. I got headphones on. So you okay. sit down. You're like, all right, I'm gonna pump this out real quick. I got I got a shit. Yeah. So as soon as I as soon as I sit down, I all of a sudden also had to throw up, <laughs> and. uh so I tried to throw up like into the toilet in your, while, while yeah, I was in your state time. of consciousness. You you you're like, oh no, tub's not tub's not sufficient. I'm gonna go right into the toilet while you're sitting on the toilet. So you see this literally a window of opportunity in between your legs and your junk. So I 
started to throw up. And what I ended up doing was I missed the toilet completely and I threw up all into my underwear. So I had this, this little puke hammock. <laughs> and I was like, oh my, I didn't know what, I, what to do. Like, you know, I was obviously pretty messed up. And all I could do was take my underwear off. I threw them under the, under the sink. <laughs> and I, I just got, I did all I could do. I was mortified. I didn't know what to do. So I basically just threw my puke, puke underwear under there. It was actually, I think it was the girl's room that we were in. And, and, uh, anyways, I threw the, the underwear under the sink and, and I boned out and I just, I like opened the door and I'm like, see you guys. And I just ran away. Didn't you use like and, every single <laughs> towel in that room too though? Like, I think you had to you wipe oh, yeah, down. Yeah, yeah. So you used I, every I single towel. You, so you shit, you puked. Used every towel, left the evidence behind of your pukey underwear, and said, right, yeah. guys, I gotta go and peaced out. My entire, I've never like ever, you know, w with all of the you know traveling I've done, I've it was I've never got into like groupies or whatever, and that was the only time that that was going to happen. So I think it was a blessing in disguise because nothing happened other than I I have that story to tell. And now it is it is an infamy, and and everybody's gonna see you and just call you a puke hammock or something. Like I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So now that we've gotten uh, that out of the way, uh, good night, everybody. No. <laughs> first, first story. <laughs> but it, but I love it because it, it it just says who you are, and you still rolled with it. And and again, your your background is rad. Your mom and dad, and and so you grew up in in where in New York exactly though? Where'd you grow up? <laughs> so. You mentioned uh, Troy, New York, which is, but Albany is the is the capital. Oh, that's right. All, we're, we're, it. It's okay. We're just outside of Albany, New York. So when I like Albany and Troy are like, like literally like two miles apart from each other. Um, I grew up in a little suburb called East Greenbush, which is literally again like you know a five minute drive from downtown Albany. The whole area is pretty small, uh, even though it is the capital. But um, so I grew up kind of in the country in East Greenbush and. Uh, you know, I had like dirt bikes and, and, and had like a ramp in my backyard and, and uh, you know, kind of grew up skating. And, you know, once I saw snowboarding for the first time, said, oh, that looks, you know, kind of fun. So I did it and it like kind of immediately could do it pretty good. Um, I literally got sponsored like my first year snowboarding. Um, yeah. How does like, a boy from New York? I mean, what was your what was your home mountain again? It was called Jiminy Peak in Massachusetts. We're like right on the New York Massachusetts line, and uh, so Jiminy Peak is only like twenty minutes from where I grew up, from my house. And I remember so when I when I to, when I introduced you to Brian Scotto, you guys shared some friends, and I think you shared that mountain as well, wasn't it, Brian Scotto from Hoonigan? So that was kind of both your guys. Yeah, yeah like Jiminy, Jiminy, and Hunter Mountain. Those are kind of like all these little ski areas that are in upstate New York. They're pro you know we're probably an hour and a half or two hours north of New York city. So, you know, well, it's, it's only a couple hours. It's, it's like, I don't know. I mean, I, I used to, when I got a little older, I used to go and skate the city all the time, but it was sort of like growing up, even though it's only two hours away, that's like, you'd never go there. Like I, I went to, I went to Hawaii and California before I ever went to New York city. You know, <laughs> as a young. So you're, I, I cut you off there. You were talking about your mom. So a boy from New York gets involved in snowboarding and, and, you said first year out of the gate. What what were you about to say about your mom and, and your dad and them supporting uh, you? Yeah, yeah. So so 
well, at first my dad's like, you know, he, he was kind of against it. He was like, it never snows here. Why would, why do you want that? Like, you know, it snows like only a little bit. And, um, he didn't know there was like snowmaking at ski areas. So I, I then showed him, you know, these places are open all the time and I can buy a season pass. And so long story short, I got, you know, my, my mom like drove me every day after school for like night skiing. And like right away I was pretty good. Like once I learned how to like stop and turn a little bit, like I was like immediately I was like able to do tricks and started competing and ended up qualifying for the nationals. Uh, there's a, like the green mountain snowboard series is like the, you know, it's kind of like the amateur, um, you know, sort of new England, uh, snowboard series for, for amateurs. And so I, I got like, I either won or got second place in like every half pipe contest that year. And I was, it was pretty much like either I would win or Ross powers would win. And Ross was like Olympic gold medalist now. And I mean, we're, you know, it's, you know, so it was, I mean, there was a lot of really good snowboarders that kind of came up, um, you know, in the, in the same time period that I did. So either way, I qualified for nationals. Um, I, in, in, in amongst all this, I like thought I was, I, I kind of had this fake snowboard shop and, uh, you know, I, my dad had his office at the, at, at his house and had like a fax machine. So I called every single phone number in Transworld Snowboarding Magazine and said, I have a snowboard shop you send me wholesale price list and some of the companies did and some of the companies didn't so the companies that did i like made these flyers and brought them to the ski area every day i went snowboarding and even though i never had a snowboard shop um i sold a bunch of snowboards really so yeah i never so knew I that you're 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 hustling you've never told me that yeah yeah so i was like 14 years old we, you know my since my dad had the, the fax machine that kind of made me halfway legit with with some of these companies even though i was this 14 year old like i have a snowboard shop. i was called it's no fun <laughs> and uh <laughs> it's so fun <laughs> you're blushing again <laughs> uh, oh, it's ridiculous but anyway so I, I sold a handful of snowboards i qualified for nationals um one of the companies that i was this company apocalypse snowboards which actually happened to be manufactured in ellenville new york which you know i mean i sold you know all kinds of you know like lamar um, Morrow, Nitro, uh, those were like some yeah, of the those companies were big brands that, back in the day. Those were those are massive brands. Yeah. So, uh, anyways, I sold a couple of of uh, Apocalypse boards, and so I had like, you know, I just basically said, uh, hey, you know, I'm, I qualified for nationals. You know, it would be really good for the shop if I was riding an Apocalypse board instead of a, I was riding a LibTech board at the time. So, anyway, so Apocalypse like gave me a board and paid for me and my mom to go to California and like our hotel and rental car and stuff like that. And I got, ended up getting fourth place at nationals and uh, you know, for, it was like literally my first year snowboarding. So, um, you know, I, from there it was, you know, the company wanted to start a new brand and they it was like kind of geared towards like a younger demographic and they wanted like me, they wanted a poster boy and yeah. that was me dude that's so, um, yeah I, I, I never asked you that story that's crazy <laughs> yeah so that's kind of how i got into it and then right away like it went from you know once i got fourth or you know once i went to nationals i kind of i met like you know there's all these photographers there and stuff like that and they were you know what are you doing next week and i was like oh, I'm going to school <laughs> like you know so 
So I went back to New York and then, you know, basically um, talked my parents into letting me travel around the world and snowboard. <laughs> and, uh, and the rest is kind of history. So, um, you know, it's kind of how I got started snowboarding and how it kind of became a whirlwind of, of uh, you know, my, my professional career. Yeah. What's up? Um, my, my son's looking at me like weird. So uh, he's smirking at me. What, what's going on? You're just playing with your hair. Okay. Uh, my son's just staring at me blankly. Your, your career is really interesting to me because it's, again, that, does that feel like a different version of Jeremy Bay? Oh my God. Yeah. Like, right? I mean, it, it was so long ago. I like don't even, I, I like, it's, I like kind of forget like that I traveled so much. Right. I mean, for years I like literally lived out of a bag, yeah. you know, I mean, you, tra- you travel a lot, but you kind of, you kind of go home. Yeah. And for me, it was like, I was like, you know, one place to the next and I never really had a home base. And, uh, you know, so I'd like, I'd go away for months and it would just be like, I'd go from one hotel room to another hotel room. And it was cool for, you know, I, I, it was like 15 or, you know, I was like, I think when I really started traveling, I was 16, 15 or 16. So I couldn't rent a car. I had to like, you You were contingent on other people. You had to, you know, get picked up, do this, do that. Yeah, exactly. So, but it was, uh, it was definitely an awesome opportunity. You know what I mean? I've I've been all over the world and have have, uh, got paid to do it. Yeah. And and you're sponsored by big companies, 32 Boots, by by Sunglasses and Goggles, obviously, Um, Alphanumeric. Mm -hmm. Uh, Were you on Rome? Was it Rome Snowboards? No, uh, Atlantis. Atlantis. so. so there was a couple, couple different board companies. Um, I really, at the time, like, I don't know, I never wanted to sign long-term contracts because I always looked at it as like, you know, if I, they, you know, they always wanted to sign like two-year or four-year contracts or something. And I was always like wanting to do one-year contracts because if I did really good, then, you know, I was opportunity for, uh, you know, for a better contract the next year. Right. Yeah. So you, you so want... My dad, my, you want to make yourself available. And yeah, you were about to say your dad. Your dad has an interesting background. Did I mean, you're, you're hustling snowboards. You're selling stuff at a young age. Do you get that from your dad? Because Fred Bako, that, that man is a legend. And t- tell pe- yeah. can you tell people what your dad did? I always, think, I always find, it, find it interesting. What your, your dad's- No, my dad was in public relations, and he worked for, um, for, the evan- for Billy Graham, the evangelist. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and then he worked for a couple other, um, evangelists, you know, he, he kind of was always in, in like the Christian, um, kind of, yeah, that, that Christian industry, just call it what it is, professional, yeah. professional religion. But then didn't he work with in another industry as well? Oh, yeah. Yeah. He was Jake Snake Roberts manager. That's what I wanted. He was Jake, the snake Roberts manager, Fred Bako, <laughs> Jake, the snake. How did you, yeah. how did, like, Billy Graham is a like, you're blushing again. I am just going to I just. Forgot, like, I dude, I forgot that my dad worked for Billy, for Billy Graham, for Jake the Snake. Like, you know, I, like, I was, I really liked Macho Man Randy Savage. And when he got, when he started working for Jake the Snake, it was like, I don't like that guy. Like, <laughs> just, he's dead to me. No, no. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, so that, yeah, I, I forgot. I totally forgot that my dad worked yeah. for Jake. That's so weird. Yeah. But, do you still so, have Do you still have your old email address? Hoppe at aol.com? Oh, yeah. 
sure I think that was yeah. That always defines that always defines you. It's a, it's a fun uh, icebreaker when you haven't had a few drinks. Is what was your uh, aim name? What was your aim handle? Your AOL instant messenger handle. Mine was WRXJ Rod. So if you're a car guy, you always had your car in there. But yours was Hot Bay, right? Were we messaging and it was Hot Bay? Yeah, Pichet is slower Civic ninety two, and I think that's still. <laughs> It's still I, his handle. I think that's all. I think that's all he has. Still, right. like he doesn't have like a Gmail or anything. Okay, so you're you, you know, to kind of jump around here. Um, you hurt yourself. You get surgery. When do you hang up the board? Like at what point? Or what was the kind of nail in the coffin? Um, it wasn't like I got hurt and had to quit, or I had to stop. I kind of just like. I, I sort of like fell out of love with snowboarding. Mm. When I first started snowboarding, that's like all I cared about, all I wanted to do. You know, I, I like talked about like I never got into like screwing around, like you know, I never got into like drinking or doing drugs or messing around with girls or yeah. whatever. Like I just cared about. Like I was also pretty young still, you know, so it's kind of like I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's different nowadays, but like you know, I don't think I kissed a girl until I was like old last year. So, yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, that's true, actually. So, um, but anyways, you know, so, so, so with that, I just, all I cared about was snowboarding. All I wanted to do was go riding and, and get good and, and learn new tricks and stuff. And kind of like the industry sort of got me a little bit bummed on it. Like I loved it because Alphanumeric was this tight little family that we had. And there was other companies that I rode for, but when, when, you know, when I started riding for Alpha, it was like, it was this little thing where like, you know, we were like, you know, it was like Kareem Campbell was on the team and Lanny was on the team and like Jeremy Jones was on the team and Brandon Bobby was on the team. Russell Winfield, like all these, all these like cool people. Cause I was, I was, uh, I was listening to a thing earlier and a lot of these companies choose people that are, you know, they're influencers, right? And this is before social media, you know, advertising as in alphanumeric as a company was a disruptor, you know, just the aesthetic of it. It was more hip hop, less thrash. Right. So the aesthetic yeah. of the brand, it, it, it bled from different areas. Right. So you got this import drag racer blended with this, you know, Puerto Rican looking dude, but he's really white from New York. That's a snowboarder. I'm kidding. I know. <laughs> so <laughs> it, if you're only listening to this, just imagine a fully tattooed Mr. Worldwide, AKA, uh, gosh, what's his name? What's his name? Pitbull. Pitbull. Gosh, it escaped me. Yeah. <laughs> Miss, How you his name? <laughs> put some respect on it <laughs> so, yeah so uh, you know just the you know you again blinged out you know the shirt the shirt was called the ray after like raekwon the chef like it, it was more hip-hop and lifestyle as opposed to just snowboarding and and that yeah. i think you, that reinvigorated you and then i kind of ruined you as well because you were kind of into cars and then you really got into cars yeah yeah exactly like i when i met i mean I was way into cars. Like I had a Honda and I thought like, you know, I would read turbo and super street. And I was like, ah, so I want to go to California one day and like, be, you know, be part of that. And like, you know, although I was this pro snowboarder traveling around the world and like winning contests and being in videos and stuff like that, I like looked at like going to the San Diego street races is like the coolest thing in the whole world. Like going to Japan and, you know, doing the Nippon open, that's cool and all, but like, going to San Diego street races had more of an impact on me than, than doing the snowboarding stuff. So I just like, I kind of like gradually fell out of love with snowboarding and fell in love with cars. 
And I wanted to be a race car driver. Like that was what I wanted to do. And granted at the time, you got to remember like snowboarding, you know, now like it's a little different. Like there's huge money involved. Back then it was like, there was, wasn't a lot of money. You know what I mean? It yeah. wasn't like, oh, we'll just build a race car. Like I wanted to build a race car, but it wasn't like I had the money to just do it. I was sort of like doing it and it took years to build a race car. You know what I mean? It was like doing it on like, you know, although I was a pro snowboarder, I was making as much money as like, you know, I mean, for being a young kid, I was making good money, but it wasn't like I had this, you know, I wasn't making millions of dollars. No, know? I mean, you, you had your Terriers and you had your, you know, big, big names that did make money. Like you said, your Ross Powers and stuff like that. And but even then, they, but back then, they still weren't making huge money. You know what I mean? Like the, the money really didn't come into it till like after kind of X Games, you know? Right. And, and you have to think that snowboarders back in the day were blackballed from major resorts. Like you couldn't, remember, it was like skiing only, skiing only. I mean, now it's, it's everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely still... You know, and at the same time, it was this like underground, like, you know, when snowboarding was going to be in the Olympics, it was this thing where like, we were all like, no, nah, that's stupid. Like, that's not cool. This is our sport. This mm-hmm. is, you know, our core thing. And like, it was a huge thing. Like people like dudes now have no idea. Like these kids that like see snowboarding and skateboarding nowadays, they have no idea like, you sound like, like an old man right now. You're that I'm guy. I'm <laughs> 41. Like, these kids don't know shit. But it's true. Like, they don't have any clue. Like, it was fucking, like, back then, it was, like, it was, we didn't want the mainstream. We, like, we wanted to be with our little cool club, and we didn't want anybody in. It was sort of this, like, you know, punk rock thing. And, you know, it wasn't about, like, you know, I, I said I didn't want to have long-term contracts, but you know, I mean, I wanted to make money, but I didn't want there to be big companies in the sport because I thought that wasn't cool. You know what I mean? Right. I didn't know. Like I, I was 16. I hadn't, you know, 17, 18, whatever. Like I didn't get it. <laughs> I didn't realize like, Oh, the big companies mean big money. Yeah. And you didn't have a manager. I mean, you didn't have that, that, that foresight. Cause like you said, you're, you know, your dad's doing PR, your mom is sweetheart, you know, and all this whole deal. Right. But you didn't have you know, timing, timing is everything, right? So would you say that the, the climate right now, skateboarders should take a note from like, cause skateboarding was intended to be in the Tokyo or Japan, the Olympics this year in Japan in 2020. Do you think skateboarding could take some notes from snowboarding going to the Olympics and it being elevated maybe, or do you think it's just different time, different, you know what I mean? I mean, I think now it's so different. Like, I don't know, with, it, it'll be good for it because it'll bring in even more money, which is good for them. You know yeah. what I mean? But like, you know, obviously like if you're this, I don't know, core person, it shouldn't be about the money or whatever, but you know what? Everybody likes to have some money. Like, yeah. you know, you can, you can talk all the shit in the world, but you know, if you can get paid, that's cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can't, you can't get, you can't feed your kids impressions. You can't put, you know, it, you need money. Cool. doesn't get you paid. And, and you know, it's, it's a well, unique situation. Yeah, I mean, well, you know what I mean. Like, just just being <laughs> yeah. called cool, it's it's it doesn't get you paid, it doesn't feed you. Um, so now now your relationship with snowboarding has kind of fallen out. Um, you you start you, like you said, you're always into cars. Why did you Why did you move to LA and start you and uh, Mike? Mike Kleiman, yeah. Yeah, um, you and you and Kleiman moved to LA. Was that like this is post snowboard? So so I'll give you the quick. <laughs> All right, Mike. Mike used to be. Uh, he raced motocross professionally. Yep. And um, he sort of, I don't know, 
wasn't into it anymore. And like, I was kind of, I was losing interest in snowboarding. And like I said, it wasn't cause I got hurt. Like I got hurt, but then I rode for two more years. Like That's it true. was like, I got hurt and I was out for six months, you know? Yeah. But, um, I just wanted to do something a little bit different. And, you know, Mike, I knew, I knew Mike cause he kind of grew up in uh, the same area as me. And, you know, I knew him as this motocross guy. I thought he was goofy cause he was like, I don't know, dirt bikers were, were not that cool to me. Right. I don't know. They, they just, they missed the mark a little bit. Now it's, still, I don't know, whatever looks different, but I just always thought like, Hey Seth. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just, I don't know, whatever. So I met, I met Mike and he was sort of falling out, you know, getting out of motocross and I was sort of getting out of snowboarding. Yeah. So we became friends and started a band and, uh, and it's called good Charlotte. These Mike and Jeremy started good Charlotte. They're the brothers. They're the, I'm joking there, but you guys are of, of similar stature. You guys could. So speaking of music, you, you guys are like, let's go. We're, we're both shutting it down, going to California. It's like a really good yeah. It's, I mean, this is like a good 80s movie. Like, dude, I'm yeah. just not riding as, you know, I'm just, I don't love snowboarding anymore. I don't like motorcycles anymore. Let's go to LA and start a band. Yeah. We thought we were going to be the, uh, the next Blink-182. <laughs> he plays guitar. He sings. You're playing the drums. You're playing your yeah. um, FBDs, the FBD drums, fucking bitching drums. Oh, that was our brand, right? Yeah. Well, no. <laughs> No, FBDs are the drum band. That's a different. That's this is this this uh, one of the extensions of our brands. The apparel line was the one that was going to take us to the top, and it's called Bitchin', and it's kind of like Zumba pants, but it's Bitchin' because you are, and that's it. Yeah, yeah. So it was for weightlifters. We were yeah. going to sponsor. Um, <laughs> we were going to sponsor Magnus Men Ben Magnus Magnus Vern Magnuson. <laughs> We're getting way off track. No, this is exactly on track. <laughs> this is where our minds go. So, so Mike and I moved to LA, and we we were okay. We were pretty good. I don't know. And um, the originally the band was called Faded Glory. What? Faded Glory. Faded Glory. And um, I think that's a brand at Walmart now. I think I think they, it truly is. They they stole that from us. <laughs> So Dude, cease we and have this man, it's great. We're on the radio, and then and then Walmart comes out with that clothing company and, and totally fucked us. <laughs> That's what dead it. So so now so why did Faded Glory fade away? And you're and uh, you know you hit me up and you're like, hey, we need a name. Well, yeah. I don't, well, we were in LA and we were living with this girl. Uh, her name is Maria Brink. And at the time, I'll give you. a we got time, dude. That's this is this. It's not. It's not like <clears throat> one. We don't have time unless you, unless you got to go to bed or something. Two. No. We got to bounce around here. We got to keep people entertained. Got to keep them on their toes. Yeah, yeah. They don't know what to expect. Right. So, so Mike and I moved to L.A. I had a girlfriend that came. We were gonna drive. I had this. I had a like a square body suburban with airbags, and uh, it was no big black, deal. Black. No big and, deal. And I was. We, I built it because we were going to be like, oh, we're going to drive this into California and we're going to, this is our band car or whatever. So it's me, Mike, and this dude, uh, Mark, and this other dude, Matt. And Mark and Matt, like last minute, were like, oh, we can't do it. Now, Mike and I were like, well, you know, we're going to Cal, we're going to do this. So Mike and I moved to LA. So we originally were going to drive across country in the suburban. And like at the time, I didn't know how, I mean, I put, I like did some, I don't know. It was like airbags 
And but I didn't. I wasn't. I don't think it was like roadworthy enough to drive across the country. Like it, the the thing ran good. I just my fabrication wasn't all that fantastic back then. Yeah. So um, long story short, we ended up saying, all right, we're not going to drive. We're just going to fly out there and kind of feel it out. So we fly to California. We got one way ticket. We got off at the. Uh, we went to Hollywood and Highland and walked to a hotel. I think it was like a. I don't even know, like a Holiday Inn or something, and got a room at the Holiday Inn at Hollywood and Highland, and um, stayed there for a week while we tried to find an apartment. And uh, didn't you know? We knew a couple of stripper girls from uh, from here, and the one girl, you know, kind of like dated my friend, sort of. I, I shouldn't call her stripper girl. <laughs> They were exotic dancers. Oh, 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 that changes everything. Oh, they're exotic dancers. Got it. Yeah. I don't think they were like raunchy strippers, but anyway. Okay. So they, they were classy. They, were, they, they, had, they, had, they wore tails. They wore a tuxedo when they stripped. I don't think they were naked strippers. Okay. So anyway, so they're from, were from the Albany area, and they, they moved to California. So like we couldn't, like, Mike and I like looked at all these places, and they were just way expensive or super ghetto. Yeah. And so we ended up calling this girl, Maria, and we're like, hey, you know, you told us to give you a call if we come to California. We're calling you. And she <laughs> lives in here. North Hollywood. <laughs> so we moved in with this girl, Maria, and she was, at the time, she was like crazy. She was always talking about like, oh, you know, when I go to the Grammys, it's going to be like this. And we're like, And this okay. is this is said uh, dancer? Not the raunchy yeah, one, yeah. but she wears clothes. No, no, no. They, they weren't not raunchy, but they, that, they, that's how she made a living. Okay. So, but she, but she wanted, she was a singer and wanted to be in a band and blah, blah, blah. So she wanted to be in our, like when we went out there, she was like, oh, great. I'll sing for you guys. And we're like, no, we don't want a girl singer. Like we used to go to the, the, the rehearsal space all the time. And, you know, she would always want to come and we would be like, nah, like maybe next time. Or like, you know, we let her come a couple times. And all we would do is we would go there and, and literally play Pennywise songs over and over and over Really? Again. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, we like met this dude Brody. This, this, we got a bass player out there. Um, I don't even remember. We like, found him on the computer somehow. But he was our bass player. And then Maria would always wanted to come to the, to the concert or the concert to the lockout with us to practice. And we always were kind of like, no, we don't, you know, we want it to be like, I joked about we wanted to be social distortion you know what i mean like yep. that's what we like that was what we wanted like the sound we wanted to have and whatever and you know maria didn't fit our criteria so quick fast forward she's like she's in this band called in this moment like her when she like like now or first, like a couple like moments later <laughs> The band is called In This Moment. They're I like, know, but no, but I mean, like, but did like at that time? Oh, no, no. At that time, she didn't have a band. She didn't have anything. She didn't, you know, she was just working at a place called Star Garden, North Hollywood. <laughs> and <laughs> and she was just doing her thing, you know, like making a living and, and working and, and, and wanting to be in a band. And, and she wanted to be in our band. And we said no. Yep. And now. She is a famous rock star musician. She and, like right uh, now, yeah, yeah. right now she's I could we could look her up. 
millions of millions of, of uh, views on Instagram. Millions. Really? Millions. Millions. Yeah, yeah. So she's like big time. She, it's like it's like chick metal. Like I don't know. It's like screaming chick. It's like it's not the kind of music that I like. But did she puke and, in her she, underwear though? Maybe. I mean, I would I would suspect a girl like that. No, nah, Maria. I'm kidding. Maria. She's actually incredibly talented, and and we're super bummed that we didn't uh, ride that train. Dude, because what could have been? It wouldn't be this. It wouldn't be this. Here you are living your best life in your mid-century modern house, talking about yesteryear. But that, but that tenacity again. That's that's another great chapter of your life where you got to hang out with somebody from uh, Marilyn Manson's band on the regular. Oh, I forgot. That was another girl. <laughs> we ended up, <laughs> dude. Oh my gosh, I forgot. So we moved out of Maria's house because it was a little bit weird, and we then moved in with this other girl that was from this area. And she used to date this guy, ginger. Well, his name is Kenny, but he went by ginger, <laughs> ginger fish. He's the drummer in Marilyn Manson. Oh, <laughs> so, I love it. So it's, it, you know, it sounds crazy, but like when you move to Hollywood and you're like, you're just, it's very easy to just be in the scene because it's Hollywood's pretty small. And I didn't, we didn't realize this, but like when you go to Hollywood, nobody, nobody in Hollywood's from Hollywood. They're all from somewhere else and they're all doing the exact same thing we were trying to do. And even the people that like have made it that are there are still, they're just right there. Like you, you know, you're at dinner and like, Oh, there's Andrew Dice Clay. Like he's just sitting there or who, you know, I don't know, whatever, but there's always like, it's, it's a small little town and you see all the famous people. So you're kind of like in the mix. So anyways, the other, we moved out of Maria's house and moved in with this other girl into this, Sick ass house in the hills. Our Dave Grohl lived two doors down from us, and this girl Kristen used to date the guy Kenny, aka Ginger Gingerfish. Gingerfish, yes. So, uh, so we lived there for a bit, and fast forward, I don't know, a year. We were like, I went to West Coast Choppers when I was out there, and I was like, this is the coolest place I've ever been to in my whole life. I don't know anything about motorcycles, but I, I think this is awesome. Like the that, like the, o, the OG shop in Long Beach that was like an old, like big yeah. warehouse. Like that was dope. But what Jesse had there was, was really rad. He eventually bought like the whole block and, and yeah, Cisco's yeah, right. burgers and all that. You told me like, oh, there's this place, it's blah, 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 Long Beach, it's got Jesse James. And I'm like, what do you, like I didn't even know what you're talking about. And then I like, went there and like I went there and it was like the first time I went there Kid Rock pulled up in the Dodge Viper <laughs> and then and then what the heck is his name I don't know if it's Bo or Luke Duke one of the Duke brothers <laughs> one of the, and then like all of a sudden they, they jumped off a ramp and like the this, I'm not, this is a real story I know, I know it is I know it is <laughs> I know that's why that's why I was like who do I need now? I have a great list of, of people that are eventually going to be on my podcast but I love the diversity but I think you culminate so much of of my life and and our our you know our our paths have crossed in these tremendous ways even going to Formula Drift and you picking me up and we've you know had some great laughs coming from Newark in the all new Ram 1500 all the way up to Wall Township New Jersey and that's why I was like it makes sense this is a true story Jesse James, West Coast Chopters, Kid Rock, Bo or Luke Duke, regardless, one of the Duke boys pulls up in a Duke bucket boy. of syrup. Pulls up in a bucket of syrup. Waylon Jennings does the voiceover. I'm joking. One of the Duke 
Beach Boys pulls up and uh, in the in the General Lee, and Kid Rock gets in in the driver's seat of the General Lee, and and him and Bo Duke take off in the General Lee, and I was like, this is fucking crazy. Like Jared, <laughs> two days ago, Jared just said you should go to this place in Long Beach. You might think it's cool. And then I see Kid Rock and fucking Bo Duke drive <laughs> off in the General Lee, like real life, like that happens. And then I was like, this is awesome. I, I, I want to, I want a motorcycle now, like, <laughs> which I didn't know anything about motorcycles, but I did know that I went to that place and it was awesome. And, you know, I, I kind of like wanted to, I wanted a part of that. Like I didn't. I didn't know if I like, I didn't, you know, I was always into cars. I always thought cars were awesome. But when I saw that place, it changed. Like it was like a light switch. And then that really was the reason I left California. Cause I was like, all right, I was working at guitar center in Sherman. Oh Oak. man, this, this is the, <laughs> this is the rock bottom. I got to leave LA story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm working at guitar center in Sherman Oaks, you know, answering the phone like whatever i like i like when people would leave i had to like check the receipts like okay you know you're good you can leave and it wasn't that i like hit rock bottom it was just like you know i i was i had to do something for work and the guitar center was it so i and you know then i went to that place i'm like all right i'm never gonna have any of that working at guitar center Sherman Oaks. and like yeah like you know this band thing is, is a great thought but it you know i gotta be realistic and uh it kind of was like, it was something I just said, all right, I can move home and, you know, build a motorcycle or build a car. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't, I didn't know if I wanted, I didn't know, like if I wanted a hot rod, like when I was in LA, there was a place called the devil's punch bowl. And Mike and I used to drive past it. And it was like this rockabilly bar that had all these like hot rods and lead sleds parked out front. And Mike and I, the whole time we were in Hollywood, we had a rental car the whole time. <laughs> Mike rented a car. And so we would like drive in the rental car and we would like park down the street from the devil's punch bowl and like, look at the cars from a half a block away. Like that is so cool. Like we didn't like, we don't have that in New York. Like that was fucking cool. Like we never saw anything like that. So it was like going to West coast choppers and seeing those bikes and then like going to that place and, and like seeing those cars and, you know, there was like this whole like younger hot rod crowd, which didn't exist in New York or like where I'm from anyway. And, you know, it was kind of like that was just something I thought was really interesting. And, you know, I, granted, I had like done all this snowboarding and done all this traveling and had had pretty good success and, you know, was not into it as much and then wanted to try to do this band thing. And then I realized, OK, this is a great pipe dream. But, you know, if I want that, I got to do something about it now. So I literally just moved home and started building a hot rod like two months, a month later. I mean, if, if you can't see the trend now, it's, it's, it's becoming painfully obvious to me. And, and maybe you even verbalizing it in, in this condensed, you know, in this condensed kind of environment right now. It's interesting how committed you get to something and you really do have that tenacity. So hats off to you where it's like. I'm into snowboarding. Wow, it's I'm good at it pretty immediately, you know. And then like you even moving to LA, that's that's what dreams are made of, man. That's I mean that could have happened, and that could have totally redirected, you know, your your career. And 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 you tried it, and then you, you're you know man enough, or maybe sane enough, where you just slap yourself and you're like, 
Okay, Jeremy, this is this is fucking ridiculous. We gotta we gotta get out of here. What am I doing here? Working at Guitar Center. I should be on a stage doing that. And and that was a legitimate like hope for you, but you gotta know when to fold them, right? So <clears throat> you had no tattoos at the time. I don't think you had no, any I don't, I don't think you had any tattoos. Now you're fully sleeved, you got rock of ages on your back, you got a bunch of sweet, you got that Tweety Bird tattoo down on your uh, underwear line, you know, you got we have a couple matching tattoos. We got a couple hourglasses from my boy B. Kimball. Yeah, there we go. And we got that. Where do we get? What was the shop? It was like New York Hardcore or something. Yeah, yeah. We were, Brian was guest spotting it in New York. In, in, uh, yeah, New York Hardcore. Yeah. And he did it. He, he did those. Yeah. We have, what else do we have? That's the same. Uh, oh, we have um, Born to Run. We got uh, we got it by our boy yeah. Brian. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's another little like quick thing. For whatever reason, I like all these people I like idolize i become friends with like you know i i went to bike i'm honored thank you so much jeremy you do like i appreciate this at a young age you admired me we're the same age and you admired me at a young age and i'm i'm flattered i'm flattered it's the truth it it really (laughs) is like i was like man if i could just be a san diego street racer on steel wheels with a one piece front end with a clapped out 80 ek civic with the one yeah with the mb motoring front end <clears throat> but that's like the truth though like so i was in daytona for bike week with some friends and there was a guy that like it was two dudes that we didn't they were kind of like hanging out with our little group of friends and we would like go get lunch together and go ride our motorcycles around and and we were talking at just like about like different places that we've been and uh, this guy would always be like, oh, yeah, you know, we played there, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, you know, so I hung out with this, like, I, Mike and I, the dude that was in, in my band, um, you know, we hung out with these other couple of guys for, like, a few days. And then they would always talk about, like, oh, yeah, we played there. And then after a little bit, we were like, you know, oh, what's your band? And he's like, oh, I'm in this band called The Bouncing Souls. And I'm like, I've driven four hours to see you guys. <laughs> like, we were hanging out. Yeah, I did like I, you know. I mean, I'm like a huge Souls fan, and and Brian, um, you know, he's like you know, he's a bass player. He, I've literally driven four hours yeah. to see the Souls. Like I'm the biggest Bouncing Souls fan, and like I spent three days hanging out with this dude, you know, like riding around, going to lunch and you know, lunch and dinners and whatever. Like they just were with our little crew, and then I was like, oh, I didn't realize that you were like somebody that I literally idolized, and. You know, it's like the same thing, like, I, you know, with with you and, you know, we've known each other, but there's, you know, through you, there's all these other dudes that I'm like, oh my gosh, like that guy's like, I like, you know, like, I don't know, I like Turk and Forsberg, like those guys are dudes. I'm like, oh, I like those. I like respect those guys right. so much. Like, I'm, they're all like, they're still, they're like my homies, you know? And it's the common bond is the car, but the common bond is actually just being chill and cool. So if you fanned out and be like, oh, Brian, like, oh, I love your band right out of the gate, it probably would have been different. But but you hung out well, with them right. for three days and it's like, oh, you got a forgettable face, but I love your music. I mean, that's basically what I you're saying. <laughs> I didn't know, right? I had no idea that he was. And he was with Pete, too, player. right? He was with so, Pete, who's in Bouncing Souls as well. Yeah, him, and Pete, yeah. him and Pete were working for Harley and they were doing like their podcast which I didn't even know existed at that time. Like yeah, what are podcasts? This. They sound dumb. Podcasts yeah. are so dumb. <laughs> Let's just talk about our life and talk, and people listen. It's very voyeurish. What, voyeurish? Yeah. I, I had a little stutter there. It was weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Brian and Pete got hired by Harley to basically just go do Bike Week and film it. 
and then it would go on the Harley website every day. Like, ah, today we're going to potato salad wrestling. And then they would go, and then they like did this thing where they were like, let's find the worst tattoo at bike week. And like Daytona Beach, the Daytona Beach oh, bike boy. week is like the white trash thing ever. So, you know, they just had fun, like interviewing people on the street. Like, let me see what's your worst tattoo. And they would like film it. And it was hilarious, but we didn't, re- we didn't watch it until afterwards. Like we didn't realize what they were doing. So anyways, but yeah, so, you know, Brian has become a great friend and Brian is now, although still in the band, he's also a tattooer and, uh, he's got a shop, right? Neptune tattoo in, uh, there you go. Born to run, which we got with, uh, James Kirkham, you, me and Mike, right? Climbing got it too. Yeah. yeah, Mike, Mike as well. Yeah. yeah, We were and that was the thing. We were like, we let's go get tattooed. And then we were like, we got to get something New Jersey. Neither of us are huge Bruce Springsteen. But we got bored to run. <laughs> but it, but it's it's more it's look. I mean, here it's again that kind of feeds into the concept of roadrunners. You know, when I told a couple of people, including like Ken Block and Aliasha, and and when you know Aliasha, who's a dear friend of ours, who was the founder of Alphanumeric and kind of you know the, the creative head of the uh, the serpent. Um, I told yeah. him the breakdown of like, do you do you kind of get the, when I told you about be the beer acronym and because roadrunners, did you get the correlation of travel and experience? Did you put that together? Cause that's why I was like yeah. born to run that, that, that kind of feeds into that song. That song's not literally about running. It's about adventure and getting out there and stuff. Right. No, no, I, I totally got that. Yeah. So we, but people, people knock at that. Do the, no, I don't think people knock at it. I, I think people just kind of scratch their heads a little bit. Not, not knock it. Do people not get that? Like right um, off the bat initially it was like, Oh, roadrunner should be two words. And I was like, no, it's, it's an animal, but people got it. It, it, Again, it's branding. It's I'm, I'm, it was really hard to name this podcast. That's what took me. I had this equipment here for like two years and I finally just named it beer. And then I decided to work out a name, an acronym for it to be called. beer. (laughs) So I'm joking. Um, now we're going to backtrack here because we're going to we're going to jump forward and then go back. But 1945 Speed and Custom, tremendous shop. It's your shop. You're building 1J Camaros to of era hot rods. 1945 yep. is the year they didn't make any cars because of World War II. Very catchy name. Very cool logo. What's that? I'm also a huge social distortion fan. And, and that's right. 1945 is like another one of my, you know, favorite songs or whatever. But yeah. So I tell everybody it's basically the name there or not the name. It's it's they didn't build Ford didn't build cars in forty three actually forty um what is it, forty two, forty three, forty four mm-hmm. or forty five. Yep. And because uh, of World War Two. And uh, you know, they started building cars at the very, very end of nineteen forty five again. Um, and just post war hot rods is what I personally like a lot. Like that's my favorite type of car is is thirties cars how they were built right after World War II. Mm. So that's what I like a lot. I mean, I'm also, I'm into everything. You know what I mean? I still think Honda Civics are the coolest. Um, I <laughs> Bronze still, TE I like, 37s on everything. <laughs> if you, Yeah, except for 30s hot rods. Although my brother-in-law has a Model A with a 2J and TG 37s on it. That's sick. But I don't, personally, like I like period correct hot rods. Um, you know, I get it. He built a cool car and it's got, a zillion hits on on, on uh, Instagram, you know yeah. what I mean. But it's a it's, it's a Model A with a two JZ with bronze CE thirty sevens on it. So all the all those things are things I really like. 
So I've known, I knew about that car because I saw it on Instagram. And then I met Mara, like, you're now, you're now girlfriend. Yep. A, a year or something later. And we, you know, we met, she came to the cars and coffee that we do at our shop and, uh, whatever. We were just talking and her brother didn't come to the cars and coffee or whatever, but like we were, so her and I kind of hit it right off. Like it was just, this girl knows what TE 37s are. She knows what a, you know, she knows what a one JZ is or she knows what a two, you know what I mean? Like she, but she was just, you know, she had a, an M3 and, uh, that's what she drove to the cars and coffee. And, you know, we were just like talking cars and she's like hot and she's, we just were into like the same stuff. And then she was like, Oh yeah, my brother, blah, blah, blah. So she like told me about her brother and like showed me a picture of his car. He's got like 20 amazing cars. He's like, yeah. the, he's the, he's the dream killer with, with car with in the car game. He's yeah. Got no, everything he's, everything. Yeah. He crushes it. Doesn't he have like a mint Supra? He has like a, he has a mint Supra, doesn't he? Oh yeah. Dude, he's got Supras. He's got a thick NS, like a, like a, you know, wide body NSX. He's got all kinds of 32 Fords. He's got 69 Camaros. Like he's got all, he's got like everything that everybody that's into cars, you know, could kind of want. He's, it's that you know, poster, anyway, the, the search for higher knowledge. Remember that poster, the search for higher knowledge and has all the cars in the garage. And some people had the sharper image print that had the little lights on the coach lights. Do you remember that? Do you remember this poster I'm talking yeah. about? The house on yep. the hill with the garage that had the Ferrari, the Lambo, the Lotus. Yeah. So, but now yeah. that's that's a great question. Which which would be your search for higher knowledge cars? I mean, he pretty much has it. He's got them all. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, so anyway, so I met this girl the next day. We went to 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 dinner, and like we were just talking or whatever. And then she like started telling me about her brother. I'm like, oh, I know. I like. I don't know who. He, I knew who he was. And I'm like, oh, I know, I know, like, you know, so, and he lives in Connecticut. They live like two and a half hours away. But, you know, I like knew of her brother and, you know, her and I just hit it right off. And, you know, it, it was it. kind of like a, I literally like met my dream girl. She's into cars. She's into mid-century modern. You know, she's super hot. Yeah. <laughs> and, Merit, uh, Merit, she's incredible. She, I'm so, I'm so happy for you. And, you know, you, you guys have seen different relationships through your life and just coming together. That's, that's a thing of beauty because I know how, how much of a sweetheart you are. And for somebody else to acknowledge that, obviously I'm not gay, I'm happily married. So we can't make this happen. It's a long distance relationship. Yeah. It's not going to work. You know, physically you're a Chihuahua. I'm a Rottweiler. Just, you know, you're, you're a small guy. I'm a big dude. I mean, we'd make a great couple. We'd have beautiful kids. Tear me up. <laughs> <laughs> God, the the, the, que the question is about Mara's brother. What's Mara's brother's name again? His name is Chris. Okay, so Chris, Kane. does Chris have a wicked stang? That's that's the big question. Does he have a wicked stang? No, because no, those but, guys are those guys are sweet. Those guys are sweet. <laughs> we those guys are are. <laughs> If anybody from the Wicked Stangs Car Club ever listens to this, you guys have changed Jared and I's life. We were at the street race in San Diego once. This is like 90, 98, 99. Again, this is like me yeah. picking you up my Civic, San Diego. I remember where we were. It was on Miramar Road, just next to the big pyramid where we shot Kane Gale's car, his turbo drag turbo kit Integra. He ollied over his car. First skateboarder on a car cover actually doing a trick. But that side street right there was like right by a Dixie Line lumber. There was a quote unquote track because there's tracks, quote unquote. Again, upper surrender, lower. What's that? 
Is that Firehouse? No, Firehouse was down down further towards the freeway. It was down at the end of Mira Mesa Boulevard. But this was on right, Miramar. So we're we're sitting there, right? You and I, and and we're just kind of waiting for cars was, to get there. It was you and me, and then and Lanny was there, I think. Oh, I think Len was there, yeah. That was the only time he came to the street races with us. Cause so here's the thing. Real fast, I used to like try my hardest to go to San Diego. Like I always had like a like a reason why I needed to go to the Alpha America office. You got to design and a jacket. You, my- didn't you have like a signature jacket with with Alpha, and you had to go meet with Ollie or Sal or whoever? I had the hot bay. Yeah, the hot bay. It, it was a, it was a, it was a bubble. A goose bubbled down. Do you have was, one it, still? It, I got a couple of them. Yeah. Ooh, can you be yourself They're- for Halloween this like this year? I went snowboarding a couple of years ago. I, it, it had been like eight years before. Like I didn't snowboard for like eight years, maybe yeah, seven or eight years. And my friend um, Kevin, my good friend Kevin, his wife Chris, wanted to go skiing. So I showed up to their house as 1998 Jeremy Bay. I, ch- I shaved the chin strap. <laughs> I wore the hot bay. And and we went skiing. It was they were like they because they knew me like back then right. or whatever. So it was the funniest thing. Like I you like I love to dress up and, and oh I know yeah. And again another <laughs> another great facet of you and your lovely. I want to call her your wife, man, because I know you guys. You know you called him. You called you called Chris your brother in law. So it was theoretically it is. Yeah. So Mara, my wife. you're kind of on this like Howard Stern level, right? It's like oh I'm never going to marry Beth and blah blah blah. You end up marrying her. But anyways, so but you and Mara love dressing up during our quarantine wow. times we've had zoom uh we did the the all-american kind of kid rock it was your it was we were reenacting your west coast customs experience essentially and we did a zoom call from from new york to arizona and then we did the mexican one where our kids were actually waiters for those that didn't get to see it because it was just us essentially six where our kids were our waiters and we had menus and they and they had a mariachi band <laughs> had a mariachi band <laughs> Which were our dinner. kids. I think every, so everybody, even if, forget about the quarantine, like years down the road in, 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 in 2030, uh, people should dress up and have Zoom dinners with each other because <laughs> it's so fun. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 does, it does make you a little sane. You know, it, it brings some clarity to it. So you were talking about you'd make every, you'd, you'd oh, make every excuse to get I to San Diego. Think- I always wanted to go to San Diego so I could go hang out with you and live this like San Diego street racer. Like, dude, you worked at group five. Yep. Right. Yep. So you, so you brought me to group five and there was like, I remember like the first, there was like this, uh, that orange CRX mm-hmm. and it was like, I think it was all motor car. It might've run like eleven yeah. thirties at the time, which, you know, at the time was like, it was amazing, but it was like orange. It had Bogarts on it. It was Lexan windows. It was a, it was a race car. And like those didn't exist on the East coast at that time. Like they didn't exist. When I saw that, I saw a unicorn. Like that was like, Oh my gosh, that's what I see in the magazines. And I need that. Like it was fucking awesome. Yeah. So you, you like, you literally showed me the stuff that I like, you know, didn't know. I am not say I didn't know existed, but it, it didn't exist right. where I'm from. It wasn't so tangible. That, it's it, I took I took you to your first social D concert, right? You're kind of like, oh, I've always I've always listened to him, but then seeing it in the person, you're like, oh my gosh, Mike Ness is even cooler. Like, holy crap, <laughs> right? 
Yeah. Oh, I, hey, did he? Uh, speak, yeah. Speaking of Mike Ness, didn't one of your buddies? Didn't one of your buddies go to go to? Can we talk about this? Can we talk about Mike Ness? What? Your buddy met him. What about, what about it? Oh, no, it was it was Chuck. Was it Chuck? Chuck Adame. But no, yeah, didn't yeah, yeah. no, didn't somebody meet Mike Ness in a in a in an interesting environment? Do you know what I'm talking about? It was they were sitting in chairs. They're around a circle. I guess I'll, we'll, we'll do it offline. Somebody met him that's in. Another, that's, another friend. that's another friend. No, I swear. You, 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 know, you know somebody that knows Mike Ness? <laughs> I do. I do. Uh, <laughs> well, my boy, Chris, my boy, you've been to the Pike Bar with me, right? In Long Beach? No, I know. And, and you know what? I honestly, like, so <laughs> Chris, is, Chris has messaged me, and, like, I've never met him. And he was like, oh, because there was, like, a social distortion porn button on his car. Okay. And, oh, yeah, that's right. And I was. And I was like, oh my God, I need one of those. And he, you know, so he, whatever, follows me on Instagram and like, likes my pictures. I've nerd out so much because I'm like, oh my God, like, <laughs> that's, like, that's so cool to me. Chris like, is I the jam, it's, dude. Like, literally, like, again, an idol of mine, like, you know, he's like, oh, I'll send you one of those horn buttons. I'm still waiting for it, but it's coming. <laughs> so I'm going to have one of those social distortion horn buttons for my, for my car. On which car? Which car are you going to put it on? Um, the, not the all new I'm Ram 1500. Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> the white, I had the white trash ride. No, it's a cheap lease payment. No, it'll go on. Uh, it'll probably go on. He's gonna send a couple, so I'll, I'll just put them on everything. Okay. But I have a, I have a, uh, a Porsche that is like a. Oh yeah. Sort of like a, a track car that uh, I can drive in the street sometimes. Put it on the 996. That's where they'll go. Yeah. So yeah, no, yeah. anyways, I, I, I'm not rolling anybody under the, the rug here. Everybody knows that Mike, Mike Ness, I watched the great thing with Ernie Balls, the Ernie Ball documentary. He went to rehab. I could have sworn you knew somebody that sat next to him in rehab and he freaked out. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Dave Shelburne. So, Dave so there like, you go. Dave That's what I was about. trying to. <laughs> yeah. I'm reminding so you Dave, of stories that happen in your life. Yeah, right. I've told you these things. I totally forgot. So again, one of Mike Kleiman's friends, this dude, Dave, he's older than us. Dave did the, Dave moved to LA and did drugs and did like, you know, he was trying to do what we were trying to do a few years before us. So he came, but you know, he lives back in this area and he t always told, he's like, not always told us. He told this story one time. He's like, Oh yeah. You know, I was in rehab with Mike Ness and, and you know, at, at the end of the thing, we used to like, they used to like pass the hat around and everybody used to like throw some money in to like pay for like the space that they were renting or whatever. And Mike Ness said something about how, um, y'all have, sh uh, short arms and deep pockets. And, uh, and that was like something that Mike Ness said to like this group, meaning like, you know, yeah, you're not dig deep. Yeah. Whatever. So, uh, I don't know. That's like something that we always are like, man, you know, that's really, that's like a Mike Ness quote, even though like other people <laughs> said that. But our friend Dave was, was in the rehab with Mike Ness and he said that so it made him even cooler. Um, hope, you know, so but. that's what I was trying to get. That's what I was trying to get. At. I could have sworn it was you and you're like, no, it's Chuck. It's somebody else. No, Chuck loves the misfits. No, no, no. Chuck loves the Misfits, and Chuck is a, is a great friend of ours, and uh, who worked at TMR Magazine. Eventually, worked at K Rock, the radio station. He's a, a what what is he considered like a cousin, essentially, of Rodney Wills, who founded TMR Magazine because he's related to Joanne, his wife. And I love this. I do you feel like getting older is is like you're just getting more refined? Like I feel like, I mean, we're the same age, and it just mm -hmm. I feel like just it get, life gets richer. 
You know what I mean? You you guys, you have Gary the dog. You don't have any kids. But just talking here, I'm just thinking about all the great moments and all the great experiences you've had that I, you know, we're, we're kind of getting out that we've shared together. And there's many that you haven't. But answer that first. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I mean, although I li- I'm, 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 I'm a geezer and I talk about how these goddamn kids don't know what it's like. <laughs> But it's true. But it's a rite of passage, right? I mean, because because you always have the elders kind of telling you what's going on. And, and I mean, here I am seeing these clapped out civics in my hood. And I'm just like, gosh, damn, they're dumb. But um, but there's certain ones that I'm like, ooh, that's my, as I like how you said it, unicorn. You know, I still want to build an EK hatchback like I wanted to. I mean, Sean Hillier has the best EK. You, you, you remember Sean, right? So Sean was a naturally aspirated drag racer back in the day as well. Now he works with Stefan Papadakis and his team on drift cars. But Sean Hillier had the best EK. What is your kind of vehicle that you still like to build? Do you still have that right-hand drive EG, by the way, that's all rusted out? It's not rusted. I think it's perfect. Is it? But yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. So I have a, I bought that from uh, Steve Taylor. That's who right. Is, uh, who rented space from Steph back in the day, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I gave Steve a bunch of money to build my race car motor and never got a motor. That's right. And, uh, but whatever, I'm cool with Steve. <laughs> we're cool, later. Steve. It's cool. We're cool, Steve. Steve, we're cool. We're good. So are um, you ever going to build again, that thing with bronze TEs? Like get like 15s on it, do like JDM? Like, So, so I have a couple of civics that are just marinating. And uh, I, I'm, I'm kind of like, you know, I own a, I own a, a hot, I own a restoration shop, if you want to call it that, or a hot rod shop, or whatever you want to call it. But speed and custom, you know, I, as your shirt says. Yeah. Speed and custom, um, nineteen forty-five. So we, so I obviously could like build those cars at any point, but you know they're not they're not costing me any money to store them where they're at, and I know that someday I'm gonna build both both of them, you know. Um, but the right hand drive car I still have. It's it's um it's right hand drive. It's from Japan. It's uh, it's got a ZC in it. It's actually a 91 and a half. Um, oh, wow. So, so that says, was like the first uh, year EG. Cause that's like a, that's like a six, it's like a 64 and a half. Like, I mean, Mustang, that was the first year they made it, but yeah, yeah. so like, so on like the, on the core, on the rocker, it said, um, Japanese, uh, 90, what is it? 90 and 91 car of the year. <laughs> yeah. Or, or something like that. Oh no, I'm sorry. Nine, not, what is it? 91 and 92 car of the year or 90. I can't yeah, remember. It would be, exactly it, would be it, it would be 91, 92. Cause the EG was 92 through 95. Cause right, the, right, e, yeah. the EF so, was 89 through 91. Yeah. So it's got, so it's got, um, ZC, but tweet interior, uh, folding mirrors, parking mirror, but it doesn't No, no sunroof. <clears throat> so it's just kind of like this oddball car or whatever, but, um, I bought it and, uh, you know, it's sort of like, you know, I've just had it for all these years and I've driven, I used to drive it all the time and, and it just sort of has just gone to the wayside. But I also look at it and go, I'm never going to sell that car ever. Like, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm just going to have it someday and I'm going to drive it around on Sundays the way that we drive Maris M3 around. Like right. it's going to be like a fun car to have someday. So, you know, I have that, I have my other Civic, which was intended to be a race car, which is like gutted from Molly Cage, um, you know glass doors and whatever front end, like glass front end and stuff like that. But, um, you know, 
again, like that car just sits there and I'm going to do something with it at some point. But like, you know, I have a million other projects that are going to be before that, but I will never sell those two Hondas. So I'm kind of like, you know, I have a love for those because those are the cars that like totally got me into cars. And like now we build these, you know, six figure resto mods and they're awesome. And, but I would rather have my, my right hand drive civic, you know, with all like, you know, all the right Mugen stuff or whatever spoon stuff on it. Like I, I haven't even like thought of exactly how I want to build it yet. And I know it's going to cost a bunch of money because all those like super rare parts oh, yeah. that at the time were like no big deal. Like you brought me to those Asian markets that, that had like the, the Bible. Yeah. I don't even what, the re- rev, they, rev speed. They were the rev, yeah, right. the rev speed, like the civic Bible, like the old magazines yeah. So like option, option two or the, you know, monthly, it took you to the Mitsua markets, either in San Diego or up in Irvine. And yeah, so you'd have option, option two, you know, hyper wagon, but the rev speed were the, the perfect bound books that had all the stuff in there. If it's Mugen or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. For specific cars, right? Like you yeah. could buy like the RX seven one, the, the WRX, or- the WRX, the Evo, the, they had an Odyssey yep. van. They had Odyssey van one. Yeah. It's so funny. Like I used to read, like you can't read any of it. Cause <laughs> I mean, I can't read it obviously, but you know, I'd like go through and like look at the pictures and like the other day, like I was shifting and actually, you know what? I was watching an Adam LZ video yeah. and I watched like how, like you know, he was like shifting and I was like, Oh, he shifts the way I shift. Like, really? and it, and it was a thing like in the magazine that it, it literally just showed like the correct, like, I mean, I don't know if it's correct, but it was in one of those magazines, like how your, your hand position should be on the shifter for like a five or six speed, like H pattern yeah. with like to hold your hand like this and then pull it back. And then this, and then when you go into, when you go into um, third to like hold your hand this way and pull it back and then go into fifth, like it's just like the right way to like hold your hand. And I don't like nobody ever, nobody ever showed me that or told me that. I just saw that in that one of those books. And, you know, I don't know if like they teach like some driving school teaches you that, but like, I don't know, like I just was, there was like an in-car video of him shifting and I'm like, Oh, that's weird. Like, not that I've never seen anybody shift that way, but I just noticed it in one of his videos. And I'm like, oh, that's how I shift because I saw this Japanese magazine that had a picture of what you're supposed to do. And and, and, I, and every time, and I've never said that to anybody ever. <laughs> oh, there it is. Ever. Breaking news, Jeremy Bay shifts the JDM way. There we go. That's, that's I, how you're supposed to do it in Japan. So like, that's how, you, that's how they do it in Japan. <laughs> I'm huge in Japan. I'm literally huge yeah. in Japan. Like... <laughs> Did you ever make it to, to no that's uh, that's I remember going to Tokyo Auto Salon in 99 and I went with Ben Ma who owned a, who owned Group 5 at the time and we're literally on the rail the Japanese rail and the, and I'm standing and there's this small little Japanese woman and they were sitting down and they were laughing cuz this woman just looked up at me and you could just see in her head just like oh gajira like just you know <laughs> So he's, he's so big and I had no tattoos, you know, I was, I was chubby like I am now during quarantine times, but so let's, and let's. that amazing hair though, probably at that time. Yeah, I probably. Jared I, used to look like Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> I had a bro hawk. I had a bro hawk for a little bit. Um, no, I don't know what my hair was like back in 99, but. Um, I do. Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> <laughs> ring, 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 ring. 
just grabbing rings all over. So the Wicked Stang story was we were out street racing. Jeremy, Len, and I are just hanging out. Cars are parked. Some racers are kind of streaming in. And, and back in the day, like at its prime, you'd get like 300 cars at these street races, right? And it was insane. Yeah, I mean, I, they, they made the movie Fast and Furious. I always say that's like kind of a tagline of mine, like, airplane talk if i sit next to somebody oh i announced car races all right cool have you ever seen the movie fast and furious well they made that about what we were doing in san diego and primarily the southern california area if it's like up to oxnard or la or compton and all that stuff but san diego was just a hotbed of it so the wicked staying story is that we're hanging out and we're, we're waiting for cars and two dudes come over and they say what did, what do they say what do they say jeremy hey you guys seen any of the wicked stangs and and, uh, like, and and Jeremy and I respond, no, 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 no. We we, we haven't seen no. him. We we haven't we haven't seen dude, we haven't seen him. The dude just turned around and walked, like didn't say anything. Just turned around and started walking away. And as he was walking away, <laughs> under his breath, Jeremy and I hear him kind of look at those guys, and they're kind of shaking their heads, and they say, "Those guys are sweet." <laughs> yeah, those guys. Are, those guys are. Those guys are sweet. Well, like that guy was a full-blown <laughs> fan of somebody in the Wicked Stangs, which if you Google, which I've done, they still exist. Stangs, they exist. They're a car club, like in San Diego. Dude, <laughs> next tattoo. Next tattoo. When we come to English Town Raceway Park, Wicked Stangs, dude, just holding it down. <clears throat> yeah, there's, oh. there's probably some. It will probably get. The, the crap beat out of us. They're probably some super gangster. <laughs> we got <laughs> to get jumped into the wicked stings. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, totally. About your career and how you started the shop, I was impressed because all the all the while you're kind of like you said, you you see West Coast choppers. You're like, I got to go back home. I got to build. Like, I got to start this. You didn't know mm -hmm. how to weld really, right? At all. So no. now here you, so, so th what year is that? So that's the 90. No, it's 2000 at this point. 2000 and maybe four. <clears throat> nah, maybe before that, like 2001 or two, maybe. Okay. So you're just like, I got to go what home. I got, I, I'm this, this music thing ain't happening. So what? Yeah. It wasn't that it wasn't happening. Like we were, we were really good. And like, you know, like, we had like in, in our, like we had like a, we did like recorder and EP or whatever. And like, there was like, there were, we were on constant rotation on like the radio stations out here. Cause we were like, although we like loved social distortion, we were a little bit poppier than social distortion. And I mean, it wasn't like good Charlotte or Blink-182. It's still punk rock music, but it was like, it, I shouldn't say, I don't know. It was more of like a rock and roll, but had like a little bit of poppy punkness yeah. to it. And, uh, so like the radio stations in upstate New York were like playing us and we basically like, you know, not that we were like thinking, Oh, we're going to make it. But like, you know, there was like a couple like small record labels that like reached out to us. that were like, Oh, like even cooler, like whatever. So we had like, you know, like our CDs were in like, um, what was it called? Sam Goody. And, uh, <laughs> what were those like yeah, Sam Good tower records? What were yeah, Tower F Y E is that a yeah, place? Yeah, F Y E. Yeah, that's so what we that's more East Coast. Sam Goody. So we were like in. We had like a EP that was in the in the whatever, like the music stores or. Whatever. What was the big hit? And are you on Spotify? Oh gosh, I don't even know. Let's look. That if, up. If, if we're on Spotify, I don't know it. Somebody um, owes you. And that's 
probably Mark, their guitar player. He did it, and he's probably making all the money. He's a stunt man now. Um, are you are you checking? I, it out I right am. Now? I am. I am looking. Stand up. Sit. No, I'm not. Not not seeing it. So what what I was trying to get to there is I'm yeah, very, one one for the road was our big one. One for that's a great title. That's a great title. So what um. <clears throat> Yeah, we were very, very ahead of our time. Hence, the faded glory, and then got that Dude. taken right away from it. Walmart, thanks, thanks, Walmart. Never heard of her. So, what I, what I was trying to get at there is, I was impressed by you. Again, another, you're like laser focus. I'm going to learn how to weld. I'm going to build this, and you worked on multiple vehicles for car guys out there that are finally hearing car guy stuff because they're like oh your podcast is going to be about cars now it's about life it's about a lot of different things it's about puking in your underwear it's about you know a, a failed attempt at having a band in la it's about hanging out with ginger fish from uh it's about your dad being jake being jake the snake <laughs> jake the snake's manager it's all this stuff and and it's about bronze te 37s and then 1945 starts to get forged because you have that tenacity. You work on multiple vehicles that are Riddler. Uh, what do you call them? Rid yeah. I mean, Riddler because you, I remember you going to Pittsburgh and you're like, oh, I'm going to work at the shop. And you worked at what shop was it? It was at the time it was called RPM Motorsports and, and Pro Rides. So I literally like this was like a mini trucker. A friend of mine, this guy, dude, Chris Schmidt, he was like a he was a photographer for mini trucking magazine. And he had like a truck that he built that was like on the cover of like. 10 different magazines. It was like a 98 Sonoma or something like that. And it was like low and had crazy paint. It was like, you know, big wheels and air rides and stuff like that. But again, this was like, this was like pre snowboarding days. This was like 94 or five. Um, so again, like, although I was snowboarding, I was like into cars, like big time. I would, I would go to all the stuff. Um, I would use all my frequent flyer. I would travel a lot with snowboarding. I use all my frequent flyer points to go to like, uh, battle the imports or yep. i'd go to import show like import show off like 90 whatever four oh, or man. five or delmar two. fairgrounds import show off ken yeah. miyoshi so like yes yeah, so i used to go to like all that stuff like as just like a fan and i just fan out so much you know i was like so i've been like into this stuff forever and then i met you and it was like oh my gosh this is like even cooler so the the transition from like snowboarding to doing car stuff was like um you know basically i just started building cars in my parents one car garage like i had a 34 plymouth and or no yeah whatever 33 or 34 plymouth coupe and i built the chassis for it i didn't know what i was doing i i kind of like i got a welder for christmas because that's what i my birthday is december 28th so i instead of getting like a bunch of christmas presents i said all i want is a welder so i got a 600 dollars welder from home depot and I made metal stick together. And once I could, once I literally could make metal stick together, the the race car, like I always thought 30s cars were super cool, but they were way unobtainable for me. I always thought that they were like, oh, they're cool, but they're $80,000. But I didn't think that like, oh, I could build one of those. Yeah. I always just thought like, oh, you got to buy that. Like, you know, one of those shops have to do that, you know? And I didn't know, like, I had no idea. So I like, literally i used to go to shows like i'd obviously go to car shows all the time and and there would be like those cars but i just figured eh, they're like not anything you could ever or i could ever have anyway i have my civic and i 
you know, you got me a Zex nitrous kit. I was, I was a pro <laughs> snowboarder and right. you called Zex and you're like, Hey, there's this influencer, like, which were, there wasn't even influencers back then, but you were like, Oh, this pro snowboarder guy, like yeah. whatever. So Zex gave us a nitrous kit and that was on my civic. And then like, you know, like whatever. So, um, I kind of like got into, once I got a welder and I, I like, I always thought like my, my civic, I like, gave to this chassis shop this local chassis shop and he builds drag cars everything was chromoly because you guys told me oh it has to be chromoly yep. so i was like oh of course it's got to be chromoly so i used to bring everything to this guy bud abatello and you know everything he'd, i thought welding was magic i had no idea like no idea how to weld. i never weld i didn't you know i didn't go to high school so there was no shop class right. i never saw anybody weld other than like jesse james on motorcycle mania Right. I had no idea. So I was like, oh, well, we need to do a cage. So I have to I call this guy up and I'm like, hey, I need a chromoly cage. He's like, are you sure you want chromoly? I'm like, oh, it has to be chromoly because that's lighter. And yeah. I don't even know why, but you guys told me that. So everything I brought to this dude, it was a magic. I'd drop it off and I'd give him a couple thousand bucks and he would do his magic and then I'd get it back. And then, you know, once I saw like Motorcycle Mania, I was like, oh, that's welding like fuck i'm paying that guy all that money to, <laughs> to weld to do that like i could do that like that doesn't look hard so i got a welder for christmas i like said to my mom i'm like all i want is a welder and so they got i got a welder and a four inch grinder for christmas one year for christmas my birthday and all of a sudden like i i could make metal stick together and this dream of having this Honda Civic drag car that was gonna like set the world on fire for the for the normally aspirated class was like the last thing I gave a shit about. I was yeah. like, fuck, I want a hot rod. I want a thirties car. <clears throat> so I bought this this thirty three Plymouth from this dude. I I used to like, this kid Jeremy. I used to skate with. His dad was in the hot rods, and uh, Jeremy had a skate ramp in the basement of their house. So I used to this other. Other Jeremy, not yeah, me. Of course. Um, you're, you're, not to talking third, you're not talking third person right now. Jeremy yeah, had it. <laughs> so this other dude I was friends with had a ramp in their basement. So I used to go skate in their basement. And every time I used to like go into the there to go skate there, there was this old car and I didn't know what they were. Like all like if you're not into if you're not into it, they all look the same. Right. Like thirties cars, like they you know, like whether it's a model a or a 32 or a 34 or whatever like people don't like i know but like most people don't yeah so i was like you know so um uh, there happened to be this old 30s car that every time we would go into the basement we'd open the door to go down like the the door into the basement and the door you always used to hit this old car and so i remember this car because i was like oh that's a cool old car but then we would just go skate in the basement so like years later i knew where this old car was so i had i like called jeremy i'm like dude you know, you think your dad would sell that old car? And he's like, oh, probably not, whatever. So I got in touch, you know, he gave me his dad's phone number. So I called him and I'm like, hey, Jeremy said, blah, blah, blah. You know, would you ever sell that car? And he's like, no, no, I'm never going to sell that car. That's my wife's car. I'm going to build that for her someday. And I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 20. Like I've been, I've been opening the door and banging the garage door into that car since we were about, well, yeah. like, like, are you really building it? And he was like, well, I'm going to build it for her someday. And I ended up trading him an Excel DFI. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know what that is? Yeah, of course. <laughs> First digital fuel injection. Yep. Um, 
so he so I, he wanted to do fuel injection on some car that he was building. So I told him like, Hey, I got this DFI, you know, would you trade me the DFI for that old car? So I bought, I got the old car. Like we did this trade. I got the old car. So I built a 33 Plymouth in my parents' garage. And, you know, from that, like I kind of like taught myself how to weld based on just watching motorcycle mania and watching like um, all those motorcycle shows on TV. And then I got a job. I, I, I my mini trucker friend, Chris, I, I, I said, Hey, I want to work at a hot rod chopper. I want to like build little cars. I don't want to, you know, I want to, want to do this. Yeah. And he's like, Hey, call Kurt in Pittsburgh. And so I moved. So like literally I call this guy. I'm like, Hey, I'm Jeremy. I'm Chris's friend. I'm like the pro snowboarder guy. Um, you know, I want to, I want to learn how to build cars. And he was like, ah, oh, well come to Pittsburgh and check out the shop. So I got in my car, I drove to Pittsburgh, which is like eight hours from here. And, you know, I like worked for the day. I didn't know shit. Like I literally could like MIG weld a little. Yeah. And, you know, I literally, like I had this Plymouth I was like working on in my mom's, my, my mom and dad's garage, which is kind of the one car garage. And then they were building at the time, like they were building these like, you know, Art Morrison chassis like air ride and big wheels like they were doing resto mods like when resto mods were like first coming out yeah and uh so i i kind of like i basically was like you know i just want to learn like what you know can i work here so i got a job working at this place in pittsburgh from, from this great guy kurt and you know he i didn't make much money at all barely enough to like pay the rent but i didn't care like <clears throat> i just was learning from other dudes that were talented yeah and I literally just made it my life. <clears throat> he asked, he's like, Oh, you know how to TIG weld? And I'm like, Oh yeah, of course I know how to TIG weld. <laughs> I had I didn't even know what TIG welder was. Like I knew I had a welder. I didn't know there was a difference between MIG welding and TIG welding and stick welding. I didn't know. All I had was a welder from Home Depot that I could like make metal stick together. So was an, like, old, oh, an cool. old husky I, welder, huh? <laughs> was, it, was it a husky brand? <laughs> Dude, I went from that to literally like, you know, lying about knowing how to pig weld and then I, I like moved to pittsburgh for you know i think i, I think i paid at the time i, I think i made 380 dollars or 360 dollars a week holy cow but I didn't care. Like, it, it didn't matter like it was just like okay i can get a job at this hot rod shop so i did that and i used to go in I, he gave me a key to the shop i used to go in on the, on the weekends when the shop wasn't open and i used to like pick up the tig welder and I remember like people always saying like, oh, he can weld soda cans together. So I thought that was like this like thing. So I didn't know the difference between like AC and, and, and DC welding. Like yeah. you have to, for aluminum, it's AC and, and steel is DC. I didn't know. Like, and there was no like Google. I couldn't Google it. Like I didn't fucking know. Like it was way, it was Crazy. way before the internet. Yeah. So I, I would just try stuff on the weekend when nobody was around. And then I was like, oh, this works. And I like taught myself how to TIG weld. And then, you know, I taught myself how to weld aluminum and I taught myself how to do all this stuff. And then, you know, all of a sudden it's like, you know, these jobs would come into that shop and it was like, Oh, um, you know, this guy needs an exhaust for his motorcycle or whatever. So he, I get this motorcycle and like, I was the guy, they were like, Oh, well have Jeremy weld it. And I was like, I didn't, I never went to welding school. I don't know anything about welding other than going in on Saturdays and Sundays and winging it wow and i've i i wung it enough to <laughs> wung it is that, is that is that a word i wung it enough <laughs> i wung it yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so i wung it enough to do it and then like so i moved 
from that shop in Pittsburgh, I went to work for this guy, Dave Tucci in Utica, New York at a place called Tucci hot rods. The Tucci. And, and, and he literally like that changed everything. Like I went from Pittsburgh and working at RPM and it was a great shop. And then when I went to work for Dave, he like, it was literally like, imagine being like pretty good at basketball. And then every day you get to play basketball, Michael Jordan. Right. Like, that was it. Like, and it was just me and Dave, like every day you get to go, you know, just play basketball, Michael Jordan and, 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 and your friends sort of like, he yeah. wasn't like, you know, not, you know, like you're playing a game. Like it was sort of like, he'll show you little things. And that's how it was. Like at the time, Dave was this dude who was like, he was well known as a hot rod builder. I knew of him and I, you know, I just went there and I said, Hey, I work at this place in Pittsburgh. I'd love to, to move closer to where I'm from. And Dave was like, yeah, you can come work here. Like, I know that I know Kurt does good work in Pittsburgh. So I know that you're, you know, you have intention to detail. So sure. I'll, you know, you can get a job here. And it was literally like at the time it was, Dave had like fired a couple dudes that worked for him. So it was literally just Dave. So I went and worked for Dave and I got to learn from, from like Michael Jordan. That's Hawk sick. Hawk. That's, that, that, that's awesome. In, at some point, you worked for that like uh, that company doing uh, trade shows and stuff. You did like little maps or something like that. Yeah, so I worked for Dave for a few years, and that was like it was great. I learned so much. Dave is like he's become family, like even now, like yeah. Tu- and so look up Tucci, T U C C I Tucci Hot Rods. Him and his son, great people, just magnanimous, loving people, and they're doing projects with Ford. They're, I mean, they're. They're legit yeah. and they're, they're doing fun stuff and his son got into it and he's really sweet and he's, he's been part of a, a few different SEMA things and I see him around, but yeah, that's, that's he, awesome. He, he took he, him under your wing. He's going to be a dad. Oh, really? Dom. Yeah. Dom. Oh, Dom, Dom, Dom. Dom. I thought he was, was a virgin. Like, Dom. Well, maybe still. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Dom his. Dom was like, when I went to, when I went to work for Dave, Dom was like 12 or 13. He was yeah. just a little kid. And then, like, you know, he, whatever, like, he used to come to, like... It's called growing up. He grew up. He was a grown-up little kid. And then, like, he would come to the shop with his little friends, and they would, like, play around. But, like, Dom knew how to weld, like, even when he was 12. That's sick. So, like, you know, he would, like, do all these little, you know, they were, like, his friends were going to do some little project of, like, whatever. And Dom would, like, come into the shop and weld something. So, I've known Dom since he was, like, this little kid. And now he's, like, you know, he, like, won the Ford Design Award a couple years ago. and you know, he's like killing it. You know, he's like, I'm like, I'm so proud of that guy. Cause it's like, I've known him since he was like, before he was a, a dude. Now he's a dude. Now he's full on dude. He's going to have a little dude. Yeah. His, his wife is rad. Like that's awesome. So, so again, you worked out a little, we, we'll kind of skip over that. Cause again, this is going obviously an hour and a half, which I love and it's great. Um, and you got to get to bed and you've had plenty of gin and Arizona iced tea. I'm sure you got to pee. You got to pee. Don't you? I'm good. Uh, oh, is, oh, you're going to pee in the bottle? <laughs> um, so, yeah. but, 19, but 1945 comes to shape. You buy the building. This, um, what's, what's the story behind the building? Because I think the building, and we started things off about mid-century modern because your backdrop, if you can't see this, you're listening to us, but you got a lava lamp. You got this cool set, you know, mid-century kind of painting behind you. you. You're sitting at a mid-century table. You and your lady just have a really dope spot. You redid your pond. Again, if, if you're listening to this, you can't. I'm, I'm painting a, a mental picture for you. But you own this building. You got Caller City Tattoo in there, which is B. Kimball, his tattoo shop. 
1945, why did that come to be? Why were you just over working for other people? You just want to do your own thing? Because like I said, your shop, and I liked how you put it, you're like, we're not, you know, we're body, you have a difficult time explaining what you do because you you race trog, you race in, in the race of gentlemen, this alcohol-fueled hot rod. I, I won. I'm the winner. Exactly. There's only one winner. There's only <clears throat> right one here. winner. You're listening to the... 20, 2019, 2019, yeah, I'm going to win this year too. Well, I'm uh, the best there is. I mean, there's nobody that can stop <laughs> me. I mean, I wake up in the morning. I just piss. Mr. Worldwide, wide, 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 wide. Hold <laughs> it down, down, down. Timbo's in your pose. Jeremy Bay, 1945 speed and custom, custom, custom. So you won the, yeah, the 2019 trog, the fastest hot rod, uh, which wasn't allowed on the sand on 2018 because you're running alcohol, but you now switched it up. Right or you know you're running methane. No, I was running methanol, which is alcohol. Uh, 2018, and and they wouldn't uh, allow it on the beach. I wouldn't allow the cops wouldn't allow it. Like it's because it's you know the, the whatever. Border. Yeah, it, in, in the state it's of a New foreign Jersey, object. In the state of New Jersey, you can't run an alternative fuel unless you're at a sanctioned racetrack. Oh, okay. Did you know? That? I did not. Did now, ding 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 ding. The more you know. Yes. Yeah, so in case any of you guys are happen to be on the street and you're running methanol or no. <laughs> Nuh-uh, not here, not here. Pretty good chance you're going to get in trouble. I need to speak to but the anyway. manager. I need to speak to a freaking manager around here. What the heck? Yeah. So 2018, I would have won, but I didn't because I could only make a couple passes. And the, the, the state, so New Jersey, I don't know if there's more, more states like this, but New Jersey has a, has state police that are their motorsports police. And they go to a motorsport event. I didn't know this. And they are the police at these events. So, like, they go to English Town or ACO for um, for events. And if, if somebody is speeding on the return lane, you can get a speeding ticket on the return lane. What? Or if somebody is, you know, doing something that is illegal, although, you know, because New Jersey has laws, even though you're on private property, it's a race and the New Jersey Motorsport Police, which is a real thing, can can like issue tickets. So the dude who is this trooper, like like New Jersey State Trooper, gun, he came over and he's like, "Oh, cool, cool car, whatever." You know, look, you're running methanol, huh? And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah." yeah. And he's like, "Oh, that's awesome." He's like, "You know, the problem." He's like, "The only thing is, you gotta, you, you know, you, you can't make any more passes until you change it to gasoline." And I'm like, "What are you talking about?" He's like, "You're not at a sanctioned racetrack." And I'm like, what do you mean? Motor, uh, Trog is on the beach, which yeah. is in Wildwood, New Jersey, which yep. is not a sanctioned racetrack. No. So he said, you know, if we wanted to, so if I wanted to run the methanol, they would have had to put, uh, race of gentlemen would have had to put in for a permit mm. to be able to do that. And it's like, long story short, I can't run anything but straight pump gas. So, 2018, I made four passes on Shut a car that I'd never done. And, and then, and then, no, and then no Paul, Paul Blart Motorsports cop comes and stops you. He, he, yeah, <laughs> but he's actually a good dude. Like now, like I understand sort of like that's his job. Like he's not, like he's not just a dick. He's just saying, Hey, you know, methanol burns clear. Like if there was a fire, nobody would know you're on fire. Right. And I get it. Help you me, Tom I mean? Cruise. Help me, Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> You'd be like Talladega yeah. Nights. That's I'm, I'm quoting Talladega Nights. Yeah. If you didn't get that, if you didn't get that quote. But I didn't but miss, I, I, 
part. Yeah. But anyway, so I won 2019's V8 class, which is a fast class, and uh, and I'm going to win this year again. Um, Shots fired, really dude. Re- yeah, oh, shit. Nobody, nobody can stop and You know, my shit's fast. Yeah, it is fast. So, so, but 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 that speaks that speaks to your shop 1945 again one Jay Z Camaro that green and white bucket what 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 car is that it's it's it won it won out at uh at the California oh, yeah, Grand show National Road- at the Grand Second National place. Roadster show Second place at the Grand National what was the category I was just uh, like C class or yeah. like I don't know so so yeah I mean I'm I'm into everything so. I, I, I really am interested. I like Japanese styling. I think is awesome. If it's a period correct thirties car, I try to build a period correct hot rod. If you're getting into resto mod stuff, I, I like the sort of like drift car styling, like the stanciness, not like cambered, right. Doofy, but like, I just like the way that like, you know, the Japanese styling of things. So if I can take a 60s American car and kind of like JDM it up and, you know, like I have my friends that are like, ah, it's dumb, like whatever. But it's like, you know what? You don't get it. Like, yeah. I don't care. Like, it, like I, I like that stuff. And, you know, I have, I have some great customers that allow me to just say, yeah, like whatever you would do. Like if it was yours, what would you do? So like I, there was a dude, um, he had a, 70 Camaro or actually a 79 Camaro and uh, he wanted us to, to build it for him. And so I was like, okay, can we backdate it to a 70 to 73 body style? Which if you look at the difference between a 70 Bumpers. Camaro yeah. and a 78 Camaro, they're way different. And uh, so we made it look like a 70 Camaro. And then he wanted to, he said, Oh, I just want to make some, you know, decent power, blah, blah, blah. So instead of doing it, he didn't want to do an LS motor. So, um, I said, can we do, you know, like a one or two Jay Z? And he's like, I don't even know what that is. And I said, <laughs> well, it's a, it's a basically sort of like a Toyota Supra motor. And he was like, I don't know if I want a Toyota motor in my car. And I was like, well, you kind of do. Like, you know, if you want to be like, you know, something that's, you know, it's like, yeah, you can make more power easily. It's just cool. Like, so I sent him the first. Turk off seasons video, which is like now all of a sudden, like in the past week, like banging on YouTube again. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I sent him that, and I was like, "Just turn the volume up all the way, because that's what your car is going to sound like." And he was like, "Oh, like so I sent him that video," and then he was like, "Whatever you want to do." That's awesome. So, <laughs> really? So yeah, so now we have a, a one JZ with Tomei Turbo on it, and I'm like Tomei Turbo and Cam. Uh, it's on the eighty five. Um, you know, it makes good power. It's not the crazy. It's not like it makes a thousand reliable. horsepower, yeah. which is good, reliable, fun streetcar power. And you know, the funny thing is, the car is not even that nice of a car, but like, you know, it's so different. And like, it rolling down the street, it's like, fuck, like you look at it, and it's so, it's like not like anything you've ever seen. It's a early seventies Camaro, but it's like when you watch the option videos when they would be like, you know. Of shing, course, shing. It, would get, it would go, shing, shing, Camaro. <laughs> you know, like when they talk about like, you know, one gun, which, what is that? That like a, a, it's a high speed. A yeah. Well, it's high speed, high, high speed racing, like one gun. Like, I don't know what it actually translates to, but just one gun is. is it, no, I, thought a, I thought it's a highway or a tunnel or something. Uh, is it? One I, gun road raceway or not, not raceway. One gun is a street or a tunnel. In Japan. Wangan. Okay, well, I'm looking it up. Wangan. I never knew. What does Wangan mean? Wangan. 
A boat for conveying provisions. That's gotta be it. <laughs> that's that's gotta be it. No, it's a ba- yeah. it's it's a Bayshore route is what it is. So it's 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 on the it's on the Bayshore. That's that's what it is. So because there's anime, you know. So it's the Bayshore route. It is a road in Japan, the Shudo Expressway. Yeah. So all those option videos, they would have like videos of like Corolla, whatever, like yeah. just whatever they were like testing and they would like bring it to Wangan. And I always look at that Camaro and if Andy, if, if Andy who owns it is driving it, I'm near him. I'm like, ah, oh, like it just has this sound and this look. And it's like, we did like, you know, like yeah, we did like arrow on it. Like it's got, it's got like, you know, like front to split, front, front splitter, side skirts, rear diffuser, all aluminum. And it's super low, and we did like straight like exhaust that kind of kind of comes out like the way just like it just it has this like JDM look to it, but it's like an early seventies Camaro, and it's like like I've never saw anything like that before. Even though we we built it, I've never like at all. Still, I'm like fuck that thing. Just looks like like you know it's you know it's like this not this like a raw well Porsche or something, but like it just has look that like when you watch those like JDM videos and like the, the, and you watch them and you're like, fuck, those cars are 10 times cooler than anything we see here. That's how that Camaro is. And I'm so stoked that like, you built, I it. built it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it has that trans Am because trans Am kind of had that style. Like everybody not pokes fun at raw Welt, but raw Welt is like a trans Am or like a cup Porsche kit, just a little more exaggerated, a little more cartoony. And again, just I, I keep going back to it, but 1945, what you're doing with that shop, you might think it's just like Social D and Hot Rods and Model Ts and Model As, but you're doing some random stuff, bikes, cars, having fun. It's it's by your rules. It's it's an embodiment, and this is a beautiful way to kind of wrap it up, but it's an embodiment of all things Jeremy Bay. Like, it, it's all yeah. your influences, right? So from, you know, action sports, right, aesthetic, and, and the function is the fashion. So like alphanumeric was all about that. The function is the fashion. You're seeing a lot of those silhouettes of clothing pop up now into like Louis Vuitton and like what Virgil Abloh is doing, right? And then you got, is, is this a beautiful like diatribe how it's all painted out there? It's it's music, right? And, and you exploring and watching from a distance, looking at these rockabilly cars, gaining affinity for music, learning, understanding Southern California culture. And then you, you, you check people's receipts at music center. So you're, you're making sure the money's in there. Nobody's stealing, making sure you're running a good tight business, a tight ship. You, you cut your teeth, you know, just educating yourself, going to the school of hard knocks. You take a sacrifice and a compromise, getting paid $1,200 a month living in Pittsburgh, just to, just to forge your way into the industry. Another dude, you 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 end up playing basketball with Michael Jordan, aka analogously speaking, Tooch teaches you how to build. Then you say, all right, corporate job, okay, parked out a little bit, do the thing, and then you learn business structure, and then it comes together by buying the building, making sure that you're sound. You got Fred Bacon on your side with Jake the Snake Roberts, and and you got Billy Graham, you got Jesus Christ on your side, you got the you know. And and you, you got JC, and then you know, and you've experienced things all the way. I did. I did off in my underwear, but I'm still, I'm still got JC. And at the end of the day, sometimes you got to just throw your underwear off and say peace out. I'm gonna do my own thing, and I'm gonna build the way I want to do, and that is 1945 speed and custom. That's for sure. <laughs> and this, yeah, is- man. That's it. 
Right. I mean, really, that's that's the thing. Like, I mean, with the cars that we're doing now, like, I'm thrilled that we're doing what we're doing. You know what I mean? I can I can bring in all of the things, all of the cars and the lifestyle and the cultures that I I like respect so much. Whether it's this JDM culture, this punk rock culture, or this like, you know, just like all of all the things that I I think are so cool. I'm now able to like, you know, as a business owner, take all those things and put them into one. And I have like my own style and, you know, you either get it or you don't. And, and, and you know, and, and I'm just lucky enough that like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm still a fan. Like I'm a fan of, and then think like, I joke about this all the time, you know, with you and, and, and Chris and, and Ryan and stuff, but like, you know, like we're all fans of each other. Totally. Like that's the thing. Like uh, all these, like, you know, you got like millions, there's dudes that have millions of followers. That Adam LZ guy, I never met him. I'm a full-blown fan of that guy. <laughs> That's all I watch on YouTube. Like, every day, I fucking watch that guy, and I'm like, ah, he's awesome. Yeah. I Like, he, what he's doing is great. You know, I watch Chris. I watch what he's doing. I, I like, I see the stuff that he's doing. I text him. I'm like, dude, awesome. I That's talk great. to, uh, you know, I message her. And it's like, so, like, all these, like, influencers or whatever, like, we're all just, like, we're still fans of each other. Yeah. You know what I mean? And which is, which is thing. a beautiful thing. And, and, but that, but that, you know, and, and people will have to power through to listen to all our funny stories, which I think they're freaking great. But the, at the end of the day to be positive and not negative is such a critical component to just champion other people and not talk out of both sides of your mouth and just say like, dude, I love what that guy's doing. I, I and, and, and you can critique it, you know, and, and you could be like, Oh, I would have, I would have done that a little differently, but at the end of the day, like, you know, you know, as well as I do, just like this podcast, just like anything, it's never going to be hundred percent perfect because you're always searching for that. Like events. I always say like you shoot, for, you shoot for perfect, you settle for good. You know, like every, you know, after 17 years of formula drift, you know, we're entering our 17th season, I'm still like chasing that perfect event. It still has escaped us, but it's never going to yep. happen. You know, and that's like music. That's like art. That's like building a hot rod. That's like, you know, having a perfect day where I don't yell at my kids or, you know, my wife and I get in an argument or something like that or disagreement. And that happens. But you have to roll with it. You roll with the punches. Exactly. Brian Keelan is still a huge fan of Mike Ness. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like that dude, like Brian Keelan, like the dude that wrote every single Bouncing Soul song still and like and, and has millions of people that think he's the greatest still go Mike Ness is the coolest and Mike Ness is lowing is looking at, at everything that 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 um, you know <laughs> like every single thing that that is is, uh, is is born to run right you know Mike Ness is looking Mike Ness has we're all fans of each oh, other totally. like, that's what's great, you uh, know well I love it I'm a fan of you man I'm, I'm a fan fa- of you I'm a fan of you I and love I'm, I'm, I'm happy to I'm happy that I can call you up and say like during the day and be like, man, I saw this Mustang today and wicked Stangs are still doing it. <laughs> Those guys are sweet. Those guys are really yeah. sweet. Bruce Springsteen is, 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 is fanning out on Mel, yep. right? Mel, Mel Stoltz, he's in the Oilers with me. I'm in the Oilers car club. We, um, you know, we do the race. Mel's, Mel's the curator of the, of the race of gentlemen, yep. right? Which is just like cool car race event or whatever. You know, Bruce Springsteen, who's Bruce Springsteen, yep. like 
the boss. Yeah, Colin Mel saying, hey, can you be in my music video? I think you're real cool or whatever. So like, so like all these people that you think are just like amazing are still following other people. Yeah. Like we're all just, we all love each other. And that's what's like so cool. And like all these people that hate on each other, like it's stupid because you know, you can hate on like whether, you know, somebody's style of building a car or somebody's like, you know, way of thinking how politics should be or whatever. But the reality is I think everybody just works together yep. and can make something sick. I love it. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much. Whew. I'm tired. You're, you're three hours ahead of me, man. I, we're going to, did you eat dinner? It's dinner time. It's nine. <laughs> I'm going to say for at least, at least under 20 minutes. <laughs> hey. You get some rest, dude. You get the. Thank you so much. I love you, Jeremy Bay. Thank you, brother. There it is, Jeremy Bay. Check him out. Nineteen forty-five Speed and Custom, a beautiful shop in Troy, New York. Um, again, love this dude from snowboarding to cars to just our relationship. Man, those guys are sweet. Thank you for joining us again. Five stars, ratings, watch it, share it, do it, whatever you got to do. This is a podcast. This is beer with Jared Deanna. That's a wrap.